I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, slowing down, mindful drawing, and a book review I think you're going to really enjoy. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy. And this is episode 469, Slow Down. It has been a few weeks since the Loose shows. Some of you enjoyed those, related to them. I'm really glad they had resonance for some of you. Some of you patted yourselves on the backs for being loose, or else gave a side eye to your own art and your sketchbooks lying there on the table or to whatever is holding you back from making art and thought quietly, I need to loosen up. You might have thought it. You might have then wondered about it. Maybe you tried it. Loose. We all want to be a little bit loose. Not too loose, though. There is a balance. I am caught in the crosswalk of this in so many ways. I nodded along to myself, right along with some of you, and yet, finding the strand of loose that is comfortable for you, for you, that perfect pitch thread that feels just right, that feels comfortable, that is satisfying and personally rewarding and meaningful and challenging, it's hard. It's not just a simple, oh, yeah, today I'm going to do it. I will be loose. It's a little bit harder than that. A lot harder than that, maybe. To find that balance that really works for you, that's not too loose and not too tight and somewhere right in between that Goldilocks spot, it can be hard. It can feel elusive. You can feel like something's off. Or feel like maybe you are too tight or too caught up in what you think everyone else expects or what counts or what is good or what has value or meaning. All caught up in that, but it's still difficult to find that right and comfortable middle point, that groove that is uniquely your own spot. This is not a one-size-fits-all moment. The right balance will be different for you and you and you and me. And sometimes the reality between the finished page and the warm-up or the scrawled note or the thumbnails, sometimes that reality is that there is a difference and that is there. And maybe they are sometimes separate things. So I don't think I solved anything for myself I did give myself yet another layer of self-critique or internal voice, maybe another layer that I really didn't need, and another ongoing dialogue in my head as I work and as my pages fill in for Illustrate Your Week in my illustrated journal. I might have ended up even more firmly planted in a slightly tight space, a tight-ish space. But with new layers of rationale, of reason, of understanding, 
and insight. And so maybe that is okay. The process of thinking it through and doing some exploration and trying to sort out what was going on and was it related to being just too tight or is it related to something else? I think that all has value and it is the kind of process we each have to go through. You can't just settle in and go on autopilot. You do have to do these micro adjustments and sometimes you have to reflect on what you're doing and is it working or are you drifting? Are you drifting from where you want to be from the course that you have set for yourself, the path that you are on, the path that you are charting, this path of your own, it can be a very different path, not one that is well trodden. It can be your own path, but if you're drifting too far, you're still going to end up out there in the brambles. Not only can we get in our own way, we can mess ourselves up in the process a little bit. So don't stop drawing, making, creating. Try the exercises. I gave you some examples and there are lots of different ways you can try to loosen things up if you're feeling really tight and or really intimidated by the page. Spend some time thinking about what loose means to you. What does it mean? There are a whole bunch of ways to think about it. And it can be a real issue of semantics. Are we talking about the same thing? And does it mean the same thing in terms of the kind of art that we make? Spend some time thinking about how you feel about your time on the page, in the sketchbook, at the easel right now. Right now, how do you feel about the work that you're producing or the work that you're creating or the process you have? How does it feel? And when you look back at your finished pages and look at your finished pages from the last few days or the last few weeks, the last month, how do you feel? Don't think about how many likes or follows or comments that you got. How does the actual making of art or the process of working in your journal or the filling of space feel? Loose may not be the right word, and that may be what you finally realize is that this isn't really loose versus tight for you. Maybe it's something a little different. Loose doesn't necessarily mean fast. You don't have to work fast to feel like you've loosened up on the page. And loose might sound like something that isn't orderly, but it doesn't have to be. We like order. Some of us really like order. Some of us like neat boxes or circles or little areas to fill in or grids. We like these things. Overthinking loose might work against us, especially if our connotations of loose shut out slowing down or shut out gridding and working in containers and boxes and all of that. So just want to throw in a few other nuanced ways to think about it. Stressing about being loose is exactly not what you need to be doing. That's definitely not the goal. Looking back at some pages from just a few months ago showed me weeks in my illustrated journal where I felt the flow that is my voice, my rhythm, 
my aesthetic. I can see it. I see some of those pages and I think that's it. That right there, that's it. And whatever I was doing there is what I'm after. And somehow I've drifted and I'm still thinking through and sorting out what the drift is and where I can sort of course correct a little bit where it is. And it it might be something that's actually concrete. It might just simply be related to size of page. So there are all kinds of things that can cause these periods that we go through that are too tight, or it's possible to be too loose. There can be many, many contributing factors. So you just want to think about it. I saw in some of those pages, my voice, my rhythm, my aesthetic. It isn't loose the way you might be thinking of the word, but it has something going on that I feel like I've been missing a little bit recently, which is what led to this whole multi-show discussion. So for you, be on the lookout for your voice, the voice that you have on the page, the voice that comes through in the way you use marks in your mark making, in how you letter, in how you write, in how you use the space on the page, how you compose your pages, how you lay things out, how you fill in space, how you use negative space, how much space you like to leave or not. You know, in my case, I'm big on not leaving a lot of space. How you choose what you're going to draw, what angle, what perspective, what size, what level and degree of shading and color. Your voice in the continuum of loose versus tight. Finding, embracing, and following your voice, that's the key. And it isn't always easy. And you might find that the right balance is tied to slowing down, to being mindful in the process and shutting down as much as you can all the external voices. Holding onto and finding your own voice listening to it, learning it, understanding its stories and how it expresses itself in line and color and pattern, that's your voice. That is something unique to you and how you make art. If we all draw the same exact thing, we each still have our own voice. And that comes through in the art we create. And if you are just starting in your art making, just starting establishing or reestablishing, rekindling your creative habit, your routine, trying to make art or daily art a bigger part of your life, you might not necessarily know or recognize your voice right away. And so you just have to keep making art. You have to make art, keep making it, make art that is as true to you as you can, what feels right. Pay attention to how it feels and what feels right. And then you do it again and again. And somewhere in the process, you will start to see your voice. It will emerge. You will start to recognize it. Be on the lookout for it, though. You have to listen for it. And it might rise from the pages like a morning mist. So a long week here. A long week. It is now a long weekend, which is good, but a long week. Things are frustrating. And in response to that, I keep pushing at these art margins at night and in the moments of morning and on the weekends. And if 
filling my pages and following my voice and trying to shut out my anxiety about the future, about my job, about the trajectory I've taken. I do keep pushing at these creative margins and using them to stay balanced, to stay mindful, to find my breathing and my footing and to even out the edges as much as I can. I keep pushing, even though I am so aware, so keenly aware of just being one little nanospeck among thousands and thousands. So very, very aware. That the making of art is balancing and mindful for me is the saving grace that is in and of itself plenty justification and reason. It is enough. And it is what cements this routine over and over and over again. This calm that art brings this sense of slowing down, evening out, and holding on. So you have to do it for you. And while I've been drawing at night, I've been listening to a lot of books. I'm reading a really long series, actually reading, but I listen to a lot of things while I draw. I listened to Ordinary Grace with the book club in our Facebook group last month. And I listened to that and I enjoyed the style and the voice so much that I immediately listened to This Tender Land. Both of those were by William Kruger. And after that, I listened to Every Note Played by Lisa Genova. That one was overwhelming in so many ways. And yet, I just could not stop listening to it. It's the story of a pianist with ALS. And after zipping my way through that one, like a moth drawn to flame, I then started listening to Still Alice, also by Lisa Genova. And that one's about a Harvard professor who is diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. Memory is such an issue for me. A word analysis of this podcast over the last 16 years would probably show discussions of memory come up really frequently. There's a reason why writing everything in a journal is such an important part of my art at this point. Still Alice is maybe one I should have skipped, but I couldn't. And it was just fascinating. It was definitely sad to listen to, really hard. It's scary. It's scary for all of us, but it was really good. It is a movie too. It's not new and it is a movie and you might have seen the movie. I haven't, but I will watch it now, but I really enjoyed listening to these. Both of these were really good listens while I was drawing at night, while I slow down and I letter simple statements about my day or draw my hand over and over again, always feeling surprised at seeing how fingers lie and how they are positioned and how they stack up and how the measurements fall. I listen while I ink portraits, practice icons in hopes that I will build some form of visual repository, some muscle memory, and part of me knows I still can't draw those things without pulling up an image, even after doing these weekly practice sessions, but I'm enjoying the practice, the simple task, the randomness, draw an octopus, and I do it a bunch of different ways, draw a cactus, and I try it a bunch of different ways, draw a hedgehog. And I just keep doing these thinking that I'll hit upon my way or some way that clicks and I'll think, oh, 
that, I could pull that back up anytime I was making a note or doing a sketch note or whatever it might be, and I needed a picture of drums or a jacket or a trumpet or something like that. So we are into September, which means next month is October, which means Inktober for many of you and for lots and lots and lots of people. I plan to do Inktober portraits again myself. This will be year three of that specific project in October. And I was going to talk about that today, but I don't want to crowd this show. I want to do a book review. So I will talk about all of that in the next show. But I hope you are thinking ahead about October and looking around at what prompt sets you might enjoy. Although they're not all out yet. I don't usually put mine out so early. So I hope you're at least thinking about it, deciding if you want to do daily ink drawing in October. Some of you, like me, do daily ink drawing all the time. You just have to figure out what you think your approach might be, what you might get out of it, what benefit it might have, and what kind of construct you want to use, if anything. Do you want to use some form of prompt set to challenge you or keep you reined in or create an overall story, what it is you want to do? So I will push that aside. I am going to talk about a book now a book that I think you will all enjoy, and a book that does tie into a September challenge that is starting up this week. So the book I want to talk about is by Amy Miracle. Many of you know Amy from her online drawing sessions on the Mindful Art Studio page at Facebook. And Amy has a brand new book out that I want to share with you today. It's titled Draw Yourself Calm, Draw Slow, Stress Less. It's been put out by North Light Books, an imprint of Penguin Random House. And Amy did provide me with a copy of this book for today's review. But, of course, the review is my own. When she reached out and asked if I would like to see the book, in fact, I said, yes, we have a lot in common in how we think and talk about drawing and mindfulness. Depending on how long you've been listening to the CMP, you've likely heard me talk many times about mindfulness and art. It's become an undercurrent of the show, of my approach, and of what I value in creative habit. I fill space. I fill space and I take comfort in the mindfulness of it, in the slowing down and in the simple repetition of line. Sometimes that's just hatching. Sometimes it's echoing shape in hair. I draw circles and I fill them in all kinds of different ways. I fill space with hatching and cross-hatching and lines and layers of lines and solid ink and everything in between. I fill space with squares and dots. I fill space. Like a lot of you, I fill space. And I've done some tangling through the years. I go back and forth. Sometimes I enjoy that and sometimes I am just doing really freeform, just filling space. Mostly, I'm happy to just fill space. It's an important counterbalance to some of the other kinds of things I draw. But even in portraits, there is mindfulness for me. And you know how much I enjoy inking hair. So I fill space. Amy's book is one I would have checked out to share with you, even without being asked. And I'm thrilled to see this out. I know that many of you will love following along as she walks you through slow drawing 
and a series of beautiful and accessible examples. The book is really nicely done. It really is. It has a beautiful visual table of contents, which allows you to see an image of each pattern covered. After an introduction to her philosophy tools and the slow drawing concept or mindset, there are 25 individual patterns to explore. Follow along and you'll try a fan pattern, a cobble pattern, an edge pattern, a twist pattern, an exhale pattern, a wave pattern, a cracked pattern, a lichen pattern, and more. The patterns in this book are based upon Amy's observations of nature and patterns in nature. So there is a really beautiful organic quality to her work and to the way that she talks about art and about slow drawing and about inviting yourself to slow down, slow down the process of drawing and pay attention to how you feel as you draw, to how you breathe, to how marks and shapes and patterns unfold. Amy defines slow drawing this way, quote, slow drawing is a mindful art practice. Mindfulness simply means paying attention to what you are doing and experiencing in the moment. I find the easiest way to do that is to notice through my senses. So slow drawing is drawing slowly enough that you notice what it's like to draw through all your senses, end quote. While this is a book that walks you through specific examples, I'm really glad that in her introduction and throughout the book, she encourages people to use the patterns, but also to evolve and adapt them, to find their way into them and to branch out. Quote, this is what I hope you do with slow drawing, she writes. You can start by copying my sample, but I hope each pattern leads you on a journey into rich, creative territory that is all your own, both outside and on the page. End quote. I feel like Amy and I would get along. She talks about finding and making time and about being realistic about time, the fact that you probably do have time. You especially have time if you think of building small creative windows, filling small amounts of time with creative work and repeating that and then building that habit. Often the time you spend when you start small that way gradually grows. You find that you really enjoy it. Or it may be that you enjoy yourself so much, that's the goal, that you use multiple pockets of time, multiple small pockets of time throughout the day or throughout the week when you have them. Planned time and found time. Both can work. Car time is always a good opportunity. Waiting time is perfect. Amy includes these suggestions as well as other small windows like making art while your water boils when you're making dinner. She has suggestions for how to schedule your time, how to plan it, and how to work on building a habit. In terms of the tools you need to begin slow drawing, really, you need pen and paper. Her recommendations are for microns, watercolor paper, and she suggests watercolor paint. You can definitely explore this book with just ink and paper. She also suggests that you prep small surfaces for your work, cut paper into squares, three by three or three and a half by three and a half. Those are her starting suggestions. She's got reasons for why she advocates having a small stack ready and waiting and also a stack that is small in size, in the actual size of the papers, why that can be helpful. 
Those of you who do ICAD, the index card a day challenge, know the value of this. And while you can use any size to work on the patterns in this book, or you can even portion off sections in your illustrated journal or your sketchbook, which is how I tend to work. Going smaller like this, focusing on these smaller size spaces, and even working on standalone pieces of paper, separate cards or tiles or cut pieces, can be freeing and it can be comforting. It's a compact, portable, inviting size. So you definitely might want to consider trying that. In a warm-ups section, Amy includes a 16-step intention-setting visualization practice. And this is before you even pick up the pen. Picking up your pen is the last step. And this sequence, which she recommends as a starting point for a slow drawing session, fits in with the whole meditative angle to Amy's approach. This mindfulness that she advocates as part of slow drawing, it is really central to her approach and teaching. You'll know if that part of it is for you or not, and if you're open to this. Before diving into the patterns, Amy has suggestions for looking for inspiration in nature. And again, her patterns, she draws inspiration from the natural world. She has tips for how to look more closely at patterns in nature, how to go on a nature walk and look for and see patterns, shapes, lines, and then how to play with the patterns you find, how to use them, how to translate them into patterns on your page. The patterns portion of the book is one you can work through sequentially or just choose a pattern to try. The book is really nicely laid out. You will find that the patterns mostly use a very clear and nice four-page structure so there is an overview page where Amy talks about slow drawing, about the pattern itself and the inspiration or foundation of the pattern, how you might think about it. And then there's a page with a large, clear example of the final pattern. And then there are two pages of numbered steps that show photos to guide you in creating the pattern. And these are really well laid out. These are really clearly explained patterns. It's very accessible. I think anyone can follow these directions and create these patterns, yet they are not so precise that you have to start exactly here and go to here and connect all these dots. It's more freeform than that. Even if we all sat at a table together to make these patterns, they would be similar, but they would all look a little different still. And that's part of the beauty of pattern work in general, but it is part of the beauty of how she has laid this out and how she explains it and how she invites you into the process. Her narrative voice is there throughout the entire book and all the directions. It's very soothing. It's very encouraging. As I said, it's very inviting. She is inviting you to explore, to slow down, to watch what happens as your pen moves on paper, to observe how you feel. There is an emphasis on finding your way, on being patient, on noticing and engaging with the process of drawing and of slowing down. The second pattern is called a cobble pattern and the chapter is called asking what if cobble pattern. And I really love this one. The sample shown is really, really nice. It is one that uses watercolor. Watercolor has been added. It's a great example of Amy's approach to quietly nurturing you to find your own way into the slow drawing. This one encourages the use of a personal what-if list of questions that you might ask about this pattern that then help guide your exploration. 
The patterns are beautiful and there's nice variation among them. I do lots of filling of space, as I said, but my work is not nature-based. And so I appreciated Amy's discussions of the patterns and the way she's drawn inspiration from the natural world. One that I really, really, really like is lichen. I don't think I've ever seen lichen. So when I draw this one, it doesn't have the same anchor in nature. I don't have the same reference, the same frame of reference, but that doesn't really matter. It's a pattern that works up beautifully and it's soothing to do. I love how it turns out. And I know that my sample in no way really represents lichen, but from what she showed, there's this beautiful process that you can use. I really love one called cloth too. It's a really nice example of using ink to weave the pattern, the warp and the weft of it. It's really beautifully done. It has a hole in the cloth. It's a really beautiful and quiet pattern. And I think that's part of the overall sense of this book is that it is quiet. It is about a slow, mindful practice that is also quiet. It encourages you to appreciate that quiet as part of the slowing down. Many of Amy's patterns are line-based. They have echoing of lines built in. They are patterns built out of repetition with slight variation in line angle, spacing, and so on to create the shape. And these are my favorite kinds of patterns. I think you will enjoy exploring patterns like the twist and the edge patterns and letting them grow and change to fill your spaces. It's a really wonderful book. You can dive straight into the patterns or you can stop and reflect on the text. You can go back and forth. I think you will find Amy has a wonderful and encouraging approach and that the book is an open invitation to slowing down and to finding the balance that a creative routine can bring. So I encourage you to check this one out, to pick it up, to take a look. I think that you will really enjoy adding these patterns to the kind of work that you do, either on individual tiles or in your sketchbook, in your journal, in your illustrated journal, as fill-in for Illustrate Your Week, all kinds of ways you can approach this. Again, thank you to Amy for providing a copy for me to review. And so on the heels of telling you about Amy's book, I want to tell you about her challenge, which is in September, and it actually starts just in the next day or so. It is a short challenge. It's not a full month, so don't overthink it. Don't let yourself overthink it. If you're at all curious about the kind of drawing that Amy's doing, this kind of patterning, this emphasis on mindfulness and slowing down, then this is one to check out. It's the Inchy Challenge. It's an 11-day challenge that Amy runs from September 6th through 16th. I will link to the information in the show notes. So again, you're just in time to jump in and it involves creating something each day on a small one to two inch square. Inchies have been around for a long time. That is true. One of the very first shows, maybe the first show I ever did back in 2006, uh, featured an Inchies artist. And I just loved that example as a way of fitting in art in a small amount of time. It's also a small amount of space, but you can fit it in a small amount of time. For that, inches can't be beat. So this is the kind of small work that I totally think people should do, especially if you think you don't have time or if you're trying to just get started. Working small can be perfect. For this challenge, 
she suggests individual squares about two by two. So if you're looking for an inviting mindfulness-centered drawing project for September, I encourage you to check it out. I'm going to follow along. I think I'm going to probably do it in a grid grid format in my sketchbook that is really true to me. I love working that way. So I'm excited about that. Although after looking at her book, I have contemplated cutting the individual papers, but it's probably much more mindful for me just to do it in my sketchbook. But I definitely would encourage you to go with the overall concept and go ahead and make that stack if you're going to do it. I encourage you to check it out. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for episode 469. I was wanting to make sure I got this one out in time for the book review of Amy's book to come out before the Inchies Challenge, and I almost waited a little bit too long. But hopefully this will reach you just in time for you to sign up. Again, you don't need anything special. A stack of cut papers and a pen. Perfect. You're all set. Don't overthink it. Don't let yourself say no. Don't let yourself say you don't have time. Don't let yourself say, oh, I'm already doing this or that. Go ahead and consider doing it. And if you are working in a sketchbook or illustrated journal and you want to go ahead and still do these individual tiles or individual cut pieces of paper, you can always tape them in or tip them in to your sketchbook. And that's a really great way. It's sometimes really nice to have that layer that you add in that way. So there are lots of ways to work it in. So I hope you'll do it. And I hope you will check out our book. So as always, I'm Amy, a different Amy. And you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamy oamy. I have sort of moved everything into one place. So Illustrate Your Week is being posted there each week. We are starting a new book for September in the Facebook group. So if you're interested in reading along, you can look us up there or join us for Sunday coffee. Or otherwise, we will catch up somewhere else. Thank you to those of you who support the show at Kofi or Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters or through the wish list. I appreciate the support you give in so many ways through the years. And I appreciate all of you who listen and who have listened and who have reached out to tell me that you listen. I always appreciate that. So remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.